Hello, you are listening to On The Topic Podcast, and this week I am burdened with glorious purpose. I'm Dan. And I'm from TVA, and I'm here to prune your timeline. I'm Alex. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm usually quite poor, Dan, but I thought I'd uh, toe the party line and do you some justice. So yeah, I'm from TVA. And yeah, this week, Dan, um, well, before we get into that, actually, what have you been up to? How's things? Tell us, what, what what have you been doing? So uh, at the time of recording, I'm on annual leave. So I've got a, a week off, just coming up towards the end. It goes too quick, you know. Um, it does. Went to Brighton at the weekend. Um, sadly, I watched the football not come home, but I mean, it kind of did. It brought us all together. Uh, I mean, unless you're sort of talking about the racism, which has erupted recently. I, I hate to get serious, but, you know, it's not called for, is it? No, but what I would say, though, is for hopefully it is a minority dan i think it has shown that a lot of people have gone know what that doesn't define us and we're going to show that it doesn't you know i think was it was it marcus rashford's mural yes it was um it's defaced and people actually doing a visual taking a knee and they were writing you know goodwill messages that's that's louder than all this right right wing horrific nonsense that really doesn't represent most i like to think most people in this country so yeah it's 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 a sour note but actually i think there has been some good stuff out of it um and it nearly came home dan it nearly came home it did the better team um, won at the end you know they the italian showed us why they've been unbeaten for 30 odd games you know and you know we did a good effort Hmm. some might say we're lucky but it doesn't matter we got to where we, we did and they gave us a good show Entertaining game, Con Fulton. Yeah, so other than Brighton, um, just busy really. Uh, you know, doing things that you probably wouldn't have time to do while you're working. You know, we're Monday to Friday, nine to five guys. Um, so yeah, just sorting out the house, um, did a bit of gardening. Nice weather this week, although it's a bit, mm. bit, bit moody today. It's a bit cloudy, but it's still quite warm. So I've got windows open. Yeah. I've got windows open, so you might hear the shite hawks barking at us. Well, barking at me, you know, we're still recording remotely, of course. We are. Um, and also, we uh, we went to Benita's in Celsius a couple of nights ago, Alex. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Bottomless tacos. Uh, I've <clears throat> never walked out of a restaurant feeling so full in my life. I had to try and carry myself home. Oh, wow. Was that his, um, his Benita's down in uh, Palmerston Road? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I think I know. Yeah. Delicious it used to be an old shop bar, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's very good in there. But like I say, yeah. Mm. Or um, you can eat bottomless tacos for I think it was 90 minutes. I think I managed five tacos, got through a bowl of cheesy nachos with guac Ooh. and salsa and sour cream, half a bowl of curly fries. So yeah, it was it was a lot of food, a lot of beer. And gave it your best shot. Gave it my best shot. Uh but walking home, me and my other half, we met a lady and her dog. Larry, Larry the Golden Retriever, hmm. just outside the house. And um, this Golden Retriever's making a fuss over me and Claire. Um, so we're now officially dog walkers to Larry. Oh, wow. Don't that know how it works. escalated quickly. Yeah, yeah. We were there talking to them about 15, 20 minutes. And yeah, she said, whenever you want to walk Larry, just drop me a message on WhatsApp. <laughs> you can come walk him. And uh, Oh, so you exchange numbers? Yep, yep. So Claire oh, wow, and... This... You you got on 
swimmingly house on fire Dan. but larry loved me he was he wouldn't let me move he would every time i'd move he would come and sit on my feet and well, you know just... that that's because you smell of tacos down that's why <laughs> that's probably it. it's not because i'm a dog whisperer <laughs> it's because i smell of delicious meaty goodness yeah i'm not, I'm not i never really thought i'd be calling you that when we recorded this episode but i 100 percent agree you you probably do smell of delicious meaty goodness. <laughs> this is up to a time-relevant delicious podcast, which this one Indeed. is. Uh, and just sort of round off at the time of recording. So today, if you've been sort of following previous episodes, I've started the year with toothache. Turns out I had a hole in my tooth. So I'll go for the basics. Holy. Had a filling, didn't work. I had to have root canal treatment. And I've finally had the proper crown put in. It looks like, a, looks like a proper tooth. Uh, wonderful. Uh, I mean, these, well these dentists, they are artists, they're scientists, they're glorious. And you know what? It's Wizards been, of the mouth. It's been painless. It's been painless. So they're very good. So shout out to Betty again. Thank you so much for looking after me. Oh, yeah. Good old Betty. Uh, but enough about me, Alex. What, what have you been up to? Absolutely fuck all down. Uh-oh. Because at the time of recording, <clears throat> lockdown measures are easing. Look, we're not going to get political, but things are going a little bit north in terms of infections and um my family contracted the old covid now um that's in test minds not not in uh, in symptoms which is good but as all good law-abiding citizens we are inside our house and we haven't left in the last seven days so you've got long left haven't got long left um but it is glorious outside but we are lucky we've got some outdoor space we've got a little garden paddling pool what more can you ask for so yeah we haven't been doing an awful lot and to be fair I wouldn't really notice because I've been working um but yeah we're in our, our own little lockdown so that's been us Dan apart from watching obviously the game but uh yeah otherwise mm. not an awful lot and of course we've both watched Black Widow but that's not what this episode's about that'll be coming sort of very soon no indeed um try to get off mute there yeah um both on Disney Plus. I was going to go to cinema, but as I said, current situations, I couldn't do it. Uh, I'd be breaking the law and I would be, be quite uh, inappropriate. So, yes, we've both watched that. And I think in the next episode, the week, episode after, we'll be giving you our review. So, I'm really looking forward to it. It's been a while since we've done a, a film review proper, Dan, especially oh, on the MCU. And um, I think I've got quite a lot to say about this film. Um, I'm not sure if that's a good hmm. or bad thing, but I'll reflect. I'll, I'll tweak my notes and then we'll come together over the interwebs and we can have a, a good old chat on the sofa, can we? Yes, uh, we've had some of our listeners get involved on in this one as well. So um, I'm looking forward to recording that episode. But I mean, sort of going back to back on episodes of talking about the MCU, well, we're here to talk about Loki. We are, yeah. So this is Disney Plus's latest phase four streaming show. And um, it's an interesting one. But if people haven't heard about Loki Dan, what I mean, first of all, why you listen to us, but um, but secondly, um, what it's all about, just in case people haven't quite picked this up. So the the premise, uh, so this is after stealing the Tesseract during the events of Avengers Endgame 2019, an alternate version of Loki is brought to the mysterious Time Variance Authority, which is a bureaucratic organization that exists outside of time and space and monitors the timeline. Mm. So they decide to give Loki a choice. Face being erased from existence due to being a time variant, 
or help fix the timeline and stop a greater threat. So Loki ends up trapped in his own crime thriller, traveling through time and altering human history. Now, this series is created by Michael Waldron and is directed by Kate Heron, uh, who is also a director for one of our favorite series on Netflix, Alex, which is Sex mm. Education. Which, again, at the time of recording, they released a, is it a trailer or a teaser trailer of season three. I've not so that's seen. Coming soon. I don't know yeah. if I've seen. The, I haven't seen the trailer, but uh, I'm very yeah, looking forward soon, to it. Uh, I mean, if people are interested, go check out Sex Education on Netflix. You can listen to season two pre-COVID on the uh, on our episode back catalogue. Yeah, that was really good. Actually, the season review. Really enjoyed that one. Mm. Um, it's it's not set up an odd odd premise, but everything works. It's a beautiful program. It's good. It's beautiful. It's endearing. It's one worth checking out. But anyway, we digress. Mm. Enough of sex description. <clears throat> Back to Loki, our god of mischief. So we open with episode one. Whoa, Dan. Oh, sorry. Am I getting ahead of myself? You are. Uh-oh. We need to dust off the old spoiler klaxon, just in case people haven't seen this, what we're talking about. And we've got to give it a good old, a good old blaring. You ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Oh, and she is a beaut. The the klaxon has been dusted off and she's sounding off again. It's glorious. Sorry, Dan. Yes, that's your saying, yeah. So uh, where, where do we find episode one? What is going on with our God of Mischief? So this is a glorious purpose, my episode. Mm-hmm. So Loki has decided, well, he hasn't decided. He just crashes into the Mongolian desert. Um, somewhat reminiscent of when Tony crashed in the desert after escaping yeah. the Longman. Yeah, think? you're right. I think so, yeah. Yeah. There's lots of um, synergies and, and imagery that goes along with this, which I think is very back to, um, to the last 12 years of the MCU. And that one definitely, you're right. I, I thought something was familiar with it when I saw it, but I didn't quite put my finger on it. Definitely. So anyway, he decides he wants to try and be a leader over this little group of Mongolians that come and find him. But he's interrupted by the TVA. And they obviously take him away for... He's escaped the Battle of New York with the Tesseracts in 2012. Indeed, yeah. Because in Endgame, isn't it? Um, they've created this, I guess, this alternate timeline and a Tesseract gets popped out of the case, knocks his foot, he picks it up and he's gone. Mm. Um, not that our time-travelling heroes actually notice. They just notice that Tesseract's gone and then go back all the way back to Howard Stark's timeline. But... um. Yeah, that's what it picks up. So it's a nice kind of nod from that film and it continues that particular character for sure. Uh, I mean, when you when you see Loki brought back to the TVA, you can actually spot a scroll standing at the desk. You can. So the TVA, they reset the timeline, turning this version of Loki into a time variant. Um, now, usually, Alex, I would sort of... Sh- plug in all my Easter eggs and stuff at the end, but I've sort of shoehorned some of these notes into yeah, each good. episode. So when Loki's actually being processed at the TVA, Miss Minute shows him a welcome video, which mentions the timekeepers. Now in the comics, Alex, the timekeepers were created by he who remains the last director of the time variance authority. Now, am I right in thinking we've got a clip of Miss Minutes? We have. It's um, about a minute, minute and a half, and I think I couldn't do it any more justice than actually letting the uh, the sentient computer talking clock do all the talking. So we're going to go back over 
It's Miss Minutes. Over to you. Long ago, there was a vast multiversal war. Countless unique timelines battled each other for supremacy, nearly resulting in the total destruction of, well, everything. But then the all-knowing timekeepers emerged, bringing peace by reorganizing the multiverse into a single timeline, the Sacred Timeline. Now, the timekeepers protect and preserve the proper flow of time for everyone and everything. But sometimes, people like you veer off the path the timekeepers created. We call those variants. Maybe you started an uprising, or were just late for work. Whatever it was, stepping off your path created a nexus event, which left unchecked could branch off into madness, leading to another multiversal war. But don't worry. To make sure that doesn't happen, the timekeepers created the TVA and all its incredible workers. The TVA has stepped in to fix your mistake and set time back on its predetermined path. Now that your actions have left you without a place on the timeline, you must stand trial for your offenses. So sit tight and we'll get you in front of a judge in no time. Just make sure you have your ticket and you'll be seen by the next available attendant. Oh, and there she we go. is good, isn't she? Yeah, he's done a smashing job. So... Um, it was all a bit pitong dang, but the TVA came in with their bureaucracy and their rubber stamping to save the world, and they're there to make sure that the right timeline continues as planned. Indeed. So I've got a little, I've got some notes here as well on that hmm. little speech from Miss Minutes. So uh, the video mentions that when you step off your destined time path, it creates a nexus event. Now this was actually mentioned in One Division episode seven. And of course, just to sort of recap, if you haven't listened to our WandaVision episode, in the comics, there is the idea of the nexus of all realities. Now, this is a gateway that you can use to get to any and all possible realities. Now, also in the comics, nexus beings are watched closely by the TVA. So Mm -hmm. um, Wanda Maximoff is one of them. Uh, Also, the intro of the video says that if a nexus event is left unchecked, Things could branch off into madness for the multiverse. So as a Wanda Maximoff fan, I immediately paused and yelled, Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. So obviously this is all going to sort of tie in eventually. Uh, And of course, Miss Minutes mentions a Nexus event involving an uprising and you will, and what looks like the Kree fighting the Nova Corps in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Um, Ronan also mentions that the two fought in a war Um, also how the sacred timeline is described is similar to how the ancient one explains it all to Bruce in Endgame oh yes yes with the the stream and and branches off Um, and also as we know the analogy of of pruning comes into play Oh, we know what happens when uh, the pruning happens sort of later on. But I remember sort of thinking, okay, this is a little bit dark. It looks it like is, they're actually, literally. Um, do you know what it reminded me of was uh, Thor Ragnarok when the Grand Master zaps that guy into the chair, but he sort of oh, melts. Right. But they, these guys yeah. are just sort of disappearing into thin air. But I so say we'll get more onto what actually happens mm. when you get pruned. 
Uh, so in the TVA's headquarters, Judge Ravona Renslayer, enter a new character, accuses Loki of crimes against the sacred timeline. Of course, poor Loki has no idea what's going on. You know, he's he's none the wiser. He doesn't know what mm. he's done. He's just taken the Tesseract and that's it. He's off. How would Loki know that, you know, he's, he's fucked the timeline? Well, he's bad and with glorious purpose, Dan. It's not his fault. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, of course, Loki blames the Avengers for creating this situation by travelling back in time. You know, it kind of is their fault, Alex. <clears throat> they messed it up. This is the only reason why Loki managed to get the Tesseract in the first place. Indeed. But, you know, of course, Renslayer, she's quite a stubborn character, I found. Um, she states that unlike Loki's escape, the Avengers mission was meant to happen. You know, sacred timeline and all that. And then enter Agent M. Mobius. Now he takes Loki to the Time Theatre to review Loki's past misdeeds and questions his history of hurting people, showing that Loki, in his would-be future, inadvertently caused the death of his adoptive mother, Frigga. Mm. So we're rewinding back to Thor 2, which was terrible. I think just on this, Dan, so I was going to save it to the end, but we'll talk about it now just so that we don't backtrack. Um, I thought this was really powerful. And I think I was talking to you at the very beginning about how I was, I was quite worried and concerned that, you know, they'd reset the character in Endgame. Mm. You know, Loki hadn't gone through admittedly yeah a, a poor effort of a follow-up to to thor in the dark the dark world isn't it um that's the one and it and it wasn't great uh but he 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 kind of reconciled his relationship with his brother a little bit you know they they both faced off at the end um was it against laufey is that his name yeah his was that okay. his the, the ice giant his dad no not laufey the mm. um the elf, the dark elf. Oh, um, I know exactly who you mean. Yeah, that dude. So um, anyway, they, they, they kind of piled up and they, they kind of, they grudgingly came together again. And then, of course, then Ragnarok, he goes full tilt. You know, they're both in this alien world, <clears throat> trapped by Jeff Goldblum, which sounds brilliant to me, but in practice, it's, it's not. And um, they end up coming together on the ship just before... Um, Endgame, hmm. <clears throat> or Infinity War, should I say, where they both um, both die, or when when uh, Loki dies. So I was a bit worried that you know that character development had gone so far in about three films, all the way back to him being a dick and just wanted to to control Midgard or, or, or Earth. But they actually managed to kind of develop the character in probably a good 15, 20 minutes with him and Mobius, um, and get him to kind of realise that his actions do have consequences and he probably killed his mum. Mm. And that 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 showed quite a... Um, uh, like a, a, an, an emotive Loki, you know, he, he's quite visibly saddened and it's quite raw. And usually he just laughs off or has a quip in, in the old Loki. So it's quite nice to see mm. actually that we haven't lost that ground, that character development, albeit it's fast-forwarded. It was done in quite a natural way, I think, Dan. Yeah. during that interview and he was quite shocked to sound and that actually the path that eventually he would take would be to his family's and his own demise and I quite like that actually they didn't lose that because that was a Loki I think people he was like the anti-hero at the end wasn't he of, of yeah. Rock. and just to pick it up where he was at the end at um, 
and the Avengers, you'd be like, well, boring. We've already seen this. We've already seen that journey. So it's quite nice that we did lose that time. And then at the end of episode one, he's pushing on and he's developing more. When we're now seeing a new Loki, we're not seeing a Loki that's already developed over you know the last six years. So <clears throat> I um I was pleasantly surprised. I think that scene with Mobius Owen Wilson was brilliant. You know him talking mm. through his history and you know what he's like and how deceptive he is and untrustworthy and all of that was really quite quite raw. Yeah, I think one of my favourite scenes as well was Loki being DB Cooper. Um, now, if anyone is unfamiliar with D.B. Cooper, um, he was an unidentified man who hijacked a plane near Portland in 1971. Ah, yes. So that was quite a nice little, um, I suppose, like a nice nod to sort of real life, which was quite cool. And mm. um, so going back to your point as well, I'm sure we, I'll add more to it in a second. But I mean, Loki sort of still was that um, the TV technology mm. and the Tesseract. But, you know, he's sort of running around. He actually sort of decides that actually I, there's no point. Um, me trying to escape because actually the power of the TVA sort of exceeds that of the Infinity Stones. And I think one of the funny things was when he found all those Infinity Stones in the drawer. Yeah. Um, Little trinkets and and yeah. paperweights and this thing that he'd been destined to try and, you know, collect and he thought that had given the power was really meaningless and nothing. Mm. Which again, just kind of takes the sting out of that Loki that we knew before. So he so he goes and returns to the time theatre and he watches more of his uh, what would be his future. You know, this is again mm. going back to the past, like and, and he actually sees his demise at the hands of Thanos. And do you think that you know he probably we had to make that arc a lot quicker this time? You know, he had that redemption arc over what ten years in this. Yeah. So I think we needed to get all that in place to sort of pull that Loki back, and it's. I suppose it's that realization, isn't it? That oh, you know, my actions do have consequences, but I've reconciled my brother in the future. I've saved what's left of Asgard. Mm. I, I've gone to be a good person. You know, I tried. I ultimately sacrificed myself to save Thor, to help him to save the world, the universe. So I thought that was quite cool. And you know, we yeah. did, we didn't need to cram all that into six episodes. It's just Episode one, bang, done. Sorted. Get over and done with. And then we can then push on. And we can really see that character kind of flourish. Yeah. I mean, he sort of realises that his cruelty and mischief uh, will not lead to his ascendance. Actually, that <clears throat> his, his downfall, really. So he agrees to work with Mobius to hunt down the killer of several TVA troops. Uh, who Mobius says is another variant of Loki. Obviously, we sort of find out a little bit more about this variant in episode two. Mm. Um, but there is a moment where Mobius goes back to 1549. There's a stained glass window with the devil. Um, now, there was a theory after I sort of watched this episode. I thought, oh, that's the, are they hinting at Mephisto again as the next big band? Yeah. Uh, but Kate Heron actually said it's... Um, Genuine reference to Loki, the horns. Um, he was cast out of heaven. So, yeah. again, you're not getting no Mephistos here, folks. But we know who our next big bad's going to be, and we'll get onto him shortly. On to episode two, the, the variant. Indeed. So Loki joins a TVA mission to the site of an attack by the variant in 1985 Oshkosh, Wisconsin. 
but derails it by stalling and attempting to bargain his way into meeting the timekeepers who created the TVA and the sacred timeline. Uh, and of course, Mobius convinces Renslayer to give Loki another chance because they're like, ah, let's just prune him. Just get, get rid of him. He's more mm. trouble than he's <clears throat> worth. Um, after researching TVA files, though, Loki actually theorises that the variant is hiding near apocalyptic events throughout time where their actions do not affect the timeline. No. Um, it, it probably took longer than it was supposed to really get my head around that concept. But if you keep on going to a timeline where a big events going to happen and what you're going to be doing doesn't really affect it because it's all going to end anyway. It does actually make a lot of sense. Mm. And that's why I really quite liked about it because, you know, the whole time traveling thing's been done before and they could be hiding anywhere. And it was a bit inconceivable that, you know, the time varying authority, these omnipotent bureaucratic suit wearers wouldn't know where they were or where these variants were throughout time so to hide where no one would be looking which you know apocalyptic events was actually quite quite an, an interesting spin on things i really quite like that it's a nice touch yeah do you know, i quite like the scene where loki and mobius go to pompeii in 79 mm. ad and you know the, this volcano is about to erupt. but loki's like well look you know if our actions here I'm going to harm the sacred timeline. I'm going to dick around. I'm going to be an arsehole. I'm going to release yeah, goats. I'm going to tell this crowd that, you know, I, I'm from the future. I'm a demigod. Do what you want. You're all about to die. And then, of course, this volcano blows off. And they actually confirm that, you know, that this is, this is possible. That when these events happen, you're not really affecting anything. No. So we end up in 2050 in Alabama, where there's a basically a massive hurricane going on. It looks like everyone and everything's just going to die. It's quite um, horrific. Yeah, and people are hiding out in a rocks a rocks cart, as it is called, which yeah. um, is a throwback to. We haven't really seen it come to fruition, but in the comics, Roxxon or the Roxxon Corporation, I think they're an oil company. Um, they're an evil company and usually like a shell company for either Hydra or The Hand or other kind of bad organisations. We see a bit of Roxxon in, I think, Iron Man 3, which no one talks yeah. about because it's not particularly good, uh, on, I think, the oil container where the president is hung up in the Iron Patriot armour at the end, if you remember that. Yep. Um, it's also mentioned, uh, I think, in a couple of other bits. It may even be in Spider-Man, a couple of flashes, so it's it's starting to creep into the franchise more often than not. And I do wonder whether they're going to do something with it. But anyway, the Roxxon Corporation have a superstore, which is a great TV program that Dan and I both love. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, they're all hiding out from this hurricane, but of course they're all going to meet their demise. And that's the perfect place, Dan, I think, for a Loki to hide out. Of course. So Loki, Mobius and the TV agents actually get ambushed by this variant and this variant's possessing different bodies of several locals and yeah enchantment isn't it yeah and of course um poor tva agent hunter b15 um but the variant actually reveals itself to be a female version of loki and rejects his offer to overthrow the timekeepers together 
Uh, she sends the stolen activated reset charges to various points along the sacred timeline, creating numerous branched timelines. Now, this throws the TV into disarray, and she decides he's going to teleport away. But I've got a mischief. He decides to follow her. He does. Was well, that all he's going to probably get pruned by the TVA because they think he's got a hand in it? So um, what better way to, than to, to follow yourself into God knows where? I mean, we all essentially start to see what we think is going to be the multiverse because you see all these branches coming off. But mm. I think the TVA sort of get things in hand. You know, it's not that crazy. Uh, you know, when Ravona is watching all the branches form, you can see that there are various events taking place in several notable MCU locations. Uh, these are the ones that our internet um, eagle-eyed watchers found. So there was Vormir, Asgard, Sakaar, Ego, Titan, New York City, and Halla, to mention a few. Ah. And then on to episode three, Lamentis. Uh, the, the variant arrives at the TVA and attempts to find the timekeepers, followed by our god of mischief, Loki, who uses a tempad to pe- teleport them both away and escape from Renslayer. She's not a nice person, this Renslayer. I don't... No. I can't... I've not really liked her throughout the series. There's just something about her. I can't put my finger on it, though, Alex. Great casting, though, don't you think? Yeah. <clears throat> I think just as a whole, I think there isn't one weak casting that... And I think Renslayer is it's almost a bit like um, going back to our favourite baddies. So, you know, um, uh, Trunchpole of Matilda mm. or even um, Dolores Umbridge, which I absolutely fucking hate but love uh, in Harry Potter. It's that kind of, I have the authority, I have the power, you'll do as I say, and my word is final kind of overbearingness. Because mm. nothing really bad about it, is it? You know, she, she is the, the, the judge, jury, and pruner. But she, she's not, <laughs> she doesn't really, she's not really evil, unlike those other characters I mentioned, but yet she's still got elements of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. maybe it's, again, my, my issues with author, authoritarian teachers which is a bit worrying because I'm married to one. So I'll probably have to go to counselling and try and understand that one. But <laughs> nonetheless, it's, um, yeah, may- maybe it's something to do with that. But she- she's not really inherently evil. She's just very much a dick. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Loki and Sylvie arrive at 2077 Lamentis 1. Now, this is a moon that is seen <clears> to be crushed by a planet and the Tempad runs out of power. Oh. So, um, yeah, Loki, mag- Loki magically hides it and the variant who, uh, you know, well, you know, she's Sylvie now, agrees to work with him to to, cha- to charge it. i tell you what bugs me about this episode, Alex. What, that is rubbish? It's not a rubbish episode. It just, mm. it's not fast-paced, you know. This, this, not moon's, this moon's about to be blown up. But there's no urgency to it. There's no, you know, they got a train. They, no. It's just them talking a lot. Get to the fucking point. You need yeah. to get off this moon. You're about to die. It's a bit urgent. There are meteors hitting the ground every five seconds. And if one of those goes through you, you're dead. You're brown bread. Mm. And you're right, Dan. They spent an awful lot of time walking and talking and 
jibing and I don't this is what in my notes I think is probably one of the most weakest of episodes just because I don't I don't think it moves the needle enough in terms of either the character development or the storyline because by virtue of the fact that we already know what's going to happen to this timeline we know how it's going to end mm. and they don't they don't really <clears throat> kind of find out anything particularly about themselves just that they both have a vendetta against the TVA and we know that Sylvie hates it fine and we find a little bit more about her background and about her as a Loki a variation of that but not a lot really is covered and there is I mean once once they 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 make their journey they they finally got to get on the train and there are some there are some quite funny scenes you know Loki talks about what love is gets philosophical because he's drunk mm-hmm. and he talks about love is a dagger and it gets not you know, it's a bit silly and is then singing with the, the the patrons, the customers of the bar, and there's a bit of a fight scene, but that's really it. Mm. I just, yeah, it was a it was quite weak, I think, down for me. Uh, I mean, as far as character development goes for Loki, I have to slightly disagree, but I've got something in my Easter Ooh. eggs, which I'll be sharing oh. a bit later on. Um, but there is a moment you say when they're all drinking on the train. It's there's yeah. a moment where he does a Thor esque, throws the glass down, another. Nice little nod there. I quite like it. It is. Yeah, because he's Asgardian still. But yeah, like I say, they they get in a ruck with the guards on the train. They get thrown off and this tempad ends up busted. So the the duo decide to finish the journey on foot and commandeer the Ark so they can use it to escape. Now, of course, all hell breaks loose. They end up fighting more people. And, you know, this Mitra is on the way and the, the Ark gets destroyed and I thought well where could you take this next you know what what could possibly happen um to to save our two gods of mischief well we find out in episode four which um the next event yeah before we get to the next event just gonna say the only the ATL will go back slightly on my opinion was I'm not sure if you picked up on it Dan Hmm. And it was a, a very good choreographed scene, right? It's almost like one of those continuous shots that they, they do so well in Marvel. Where they're running through the streets and, you know, there's this pandemonium and there's, there's fighting and buildings are collapsing. Just towards the end, did you pick up the the, the, the building was collapsing and our hmm. Loki variant turned around and ended up pushing the collapsing building back up? Did you see that? Yes. <clears throat> um, now, apparently, uh, I've, I've read about this, that apparently, Oh, right. Our MCU Loki has been underpowered for yes throughout the ten years. So I was so to see that moment, I sort of wait. What he just yeah pushed the building back up. It's very um, I suppose almost a bit Doctor Strange esque. Yeah, know, I was going to say um, yeah. I want to say Endgame in the final battle, and you know Strange sort of pushes oh, yes, the, the dam back up and yeah, yeah, yeah. stops the <clears throat> water from gushing in. But yeah, it was sort of very. Um, Doctor Strange-esque. Which is, which is odd because we don't see that scale of power. And in later episodes, or latter episodes, you'll say they do talk about, you know, we don't realise how powerful we are. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But how did he know to do that? Why had he not done it before? Because that kind of power, he, he I'm not saying he could have come against the Hulk in Avengers Tower and Avengers, but sure enough, that would have put up a fight. Mm. Instead of just trying to talk your way. I mean, I know it shows that the, the God of Mischief uses his tongue as opposed to his dagger, and you know, he uses dagger when he has to. But surely using that kind of power would have made for an interesting fight scene. I don't know, it's just 
it's odd. They, they did it, and it was good that they did it, but it was quite kind of under the radar. I don't know. But anyway, that's, I, I picked up on that. Because, oh, who's doing that? It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't Sylvie. It was actually our our Loki that we all know and love. Interesting. Uh, T-heads. Mm. Uh, so on to the Nexus event. Um, so this actually opens with um, Sylvie as a child. Now she's playing inside the palace and she's yes. telling a story about how the Valkyrie swooped in, saved Asgard. And, you know, much much like Thor, um, she actually admired the Valkyrie growing up as well. Mm. Uh, you can also see that one of um, Sylvie's toys is a wolf and... Uh, We've previously seen Fenris, uh, which was the giant wolf in Thor Ragnarok, which um, oh, yes. hella brought back to life. Yeah. But anyway, um, Sylvie's sort of telling Loki she escaped the TVA's custody as a child after Renslayer captured her. And this is how our gods of mischief sort of... I found it a bit, a bit strange, but they bond romantically. Yeah. And it starts to create a unique branch timeline that alerts the TVA. Now that allows them to be our gods of mischief to be rescued and arrested again uh, before Lamentis One is destroyed. So maybe it's, 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 it's sorry, I was going to say, Dan, it's, hmm. it's an interesting concept because he's falling in love with himself. But to be fair, who else would he fall in love with? He's, he's one of the most egotistical individuals in the MCU next to Tony Stark, who he himself does love himself, you know, but I think he probably recognises that he's quite irritating, so that's why Pepper's kind of calls him down as a character. But mm. Loki, he doesn't respect anyone else, so it just goes to stand to reason that he's probably going to fall, fall in love with himself. And... um. Sylvie is quite different to him. She's had a different background. She does look different to him. And if you subscribe to, you know, the traditional kind of tropes of um, a straight relationship, it, it does work. But I, th- I like how it's it's a complicated relationship because it's, it's him, but mm. it's not. I don't, I'm not really making any sense. I don't really know kind of what I'm trying to say, but it's... I, I think it's 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 an odd concept, but it strangely works because who else would he fall in love with? Hmm. Do you I think there's something could, quite poetic? Do you think you could fall in love with your female version from another timeline, or do you think oh, that'd wait, be a little hundred percent? I'm hilarious. <laughs> I, I'd be a catch for sure. I mean, unfortunately, I know that you know I've I've got quite a a, a windy nature about myself, so that could irritate me somewhat. Um. Ask a couple of beers. I'm not going to lie. I could, uh, I could <laughs> fart for England. So that, I'm sure that'd be quite a turnoff. But yeah, hey, I'm a catch. I'd be a catch for anyone, let alone myself. Um, and my sense of humour is banging. I'm joking. Uh, I don't. Know. <laughs> um, I probably find myself equally as irritating as I do my own nature. But yeah, how about you? If if you were, if you if you were met with your alter ego, your 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 other self, what do you reckon? Uh, I mean, I've got some annoying traits. Um, I, I mean, you should, you'd be able to, I guess, bump up your comic collection, though. I mean, that's quite attractive, mm, no doubt. That's true. That's true. Combine I could combine our um, graphic novel collection and make it 400 plus books. Yeah. Um, I've, got, I've got some annoying traits, like I was saying. Um, I don't always fully listen. So, uh, and I'm sure my other half. So, so again. I don't fully listen to myself. <laughs> yeah, see, you see, got that, me. that was. 
that was the 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 comedy and the the sense of humor. Kind of <laughs> I'm, I'm a catch, like I said, I'm a catch. What can I say? And I know my other half will be listening <laughs> to this because she she was a big Loki fan and she listens to all of our episodes regardless whether she likes the topic or not, which is brilliant. You know, thank mm-hmm. you, thank you, Claire. Uh, and she's probably nodding and going, yeah, yeah, he doesn't always listen to me. He'll sort of half listen and then he'll be like, what? We all do I've, that. Way. And I think I would piss myself off. But you do know what? I've, I've used the female Snapchat filter. I know what I look like as a woman and I look pretty fucking mm. good. I Damn. think I would be a catch. So yeah. No, that makes sense, doesn't I it? Did, I don't know if I could. If I don't really <laughs> listen to myself. <laughs> Female me's gonna be like, he's a fucking dickhead. And there'll be like, lots of half conversations, maybe. Yeah. But you'd you both be reading comics and playing computer games and talking to each other about Marvel that you may not care about that, Dan. No, that's a good point. Hmm. Don't know what my other half's thinking and listens to this. You'll probably no doubt um, come down to me later and be like, that conversation was really fucked up. Yeah, it got a bit <laughs> odd, a bit weird. It did. Let's bring it back. Let's bring, bring it back down. Um, let's 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 put that one to bed. Put that, put it in in that special chest of things we will never talk about again. Uh, throw away the key and let uh, let's continue. It's pretty <laughs> done. Really you said I never thought it'd go this way in this conversation when we start to record down. But here we are. Uh, it is what it is, as they say. Yeah. Um, back 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 to back to Loki. Where are we at? What's happened? Uh, so Mobius decides he's going to put Loki into a time loop from his past of Sif attacking him. Now, a bit of Norse mythology of you, um, Alex, mm-hmm. and our listeners. So when Loki is put in this time loop by Mobius, he's reliving a moment where Sif attacks him after he cuts her hair. Of course, you notice that poor Jamie Alexander, she's holding a strand of like a, quite a big lump of hair. Um, now, this is actually taken from Nor- Nor- Norse. I could put my teeth in. Taken from Norse mythology, where Loki cut Lady Sif's gorgeous hair, which she was very proud of. Uh, big shout out to Jamie Alexander, actually. This is her first appearance as Sif since Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season two, back in 2015. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but she is returning for Thor Love and Thunder. It's got quite the cast, Alex, this Thor Love and Thunder film. And um... I think she's brilliant, Dan. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., as we know, Got a bit of a bum deal. They did everything right, but unfortunately, um, Joss Whedon and Kevin Feige didn't really care for it, which is a shame, really, because um, you know that that cast were brilliant and they did nothing wrong, but they just weren't supported. And Jamie Alexander was one of them. It was nice that she had a part to play to continue that character, in that story, because she was only fleetingly in a couple of scenes. So it's quite nice that actually she's. Got to get another cameo in in this one, um, and I didn't know actually that she's going to be in in the the next store. So it's mm-hmm. it's, it's good to hear because she she's a talented actor and a great character. I think still still there's still a story to tell there. I thought it was a, again a bit rough that there was no mention of her in Ragnarok. She should have mm-hmm. been there fighting. I mean, the, there were cast changes right with some of the characters, but she should have been there. And I think for her not to be, I think was a bit unfair. She was at the beginning, so it's good to hear that they haven't quite forgotten about her. Indeed. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to Thor: Love and Thunder. I, th- I mean, the cast is astronomical, and um, Take a Waititi said actually, um, you know, if I try to pitch this just as a Hollywood film, people probably wouldn't buy it. It's just messed up. 
It's crazy. It's bonkers. So um, I think that's out next year. I want to say Thor: Love and mm, Thunder. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we digress again. Uh, B15, Hunter B15, has Sylvie show memories of B15's past life. So this actually proves that you know these are variants from different timelines working for the TVA, which sort of gets a bit weird. But we learn a bit more about it later. Uh, Renslayer tells Mobius that C20 had died from a mental breakdown, but Mobius steals a recording showing Renslayer interrogating a mentally sound tweeter C20 who insists that the TVA workers are all variants. So there you go. Mm. And that's quite a big thing, right? Because they were told, of course, that they were specially uh, created or placed in at the ends of time to curate time and to be, you know, in charge and make sure that the sacred timeline's in place. But actually, they're not. They are part of a timeline that's been, you know, pruned and they've been stolen. Um, and that's that's quite that's quite big news. Uh, an early nod to the fact that not all everything is as it seems at the TVA. Mm. Now, Mobius frees Loki from the loop, but Renslayer confronts them and has Mobius pruned. Poor Mobius. Renslayer has Loki and Sylvie brought before the timekeepers who order Loki and Sylvie to be deleted. Um, B-15 assists Loki and Sylvie, who proceed to defeat Renslayer and the TVA guards. Now, at this moment, Alex, we have a bit of a uh, Iron Man 3 mandarin moment would you say yeah and but i think we saw it coming though right mm. when they open those doors and you got the three alien geese just sat there it uh, for me I, I i saw it coming um yeah i i was i know why i didn't build it up because you know didn't want people to think that you know it's the end of the seas series and how could they best it but i did I want a little bit more, something a little bit more for that scene. Mm. I, think I don't know what that'll be, but I think in terms of the bigger picture, when you um, we sort of get to episode six, I think it kind of explains why these androids are sort of covering up this this other person, <clears throat> which we'll get to later. But, but it again, does explain though, Dan, a bit like, hmm. but it does explain that Dan um, at the beginning, first episode where Loki walks through the metal detector, and that's to um identify whether you're a sentient robot because actually there's sentient robots of a kind running the TVA. I think mm. that's quite interesting. Uh I'm not sure whether that's some kind of indirect reference also to you know vision or um you know how dangerous Ultron is. I don't know whether they're they're supposed to be kind of indirect links, but um I thought that was quite a, a smart link if if that's what reference is about, you know, because mm. There could be other robots running around impersonating. Yeah, interesting. Uh, one of the other cool things that I did notice is that the designs of these androids, um, they do match the timekeepers from the comics. Uh, it's also yes. important to note in the comics, actually, the timekeepers clashed with Scarlet Witch a lot. Um, they tried to stop her from bearing children because they realised how powerful she is because mm. she's, as we mentioned earlier, and in the One Division episode, she's a Nexus being. 
she is. So basically, Loki and WandaVision are much more related than we probably realise. And I probably assume they're sort of both really setting up things that are going to happen in, I mean, of course, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. But I think we'll probably start to see a little bit more of this in Spider-Man in December. Yeah. Because I think we're sort of starting to get hints now of, you know, we've got Jamie Foxx. You've got the guy that plays Doctor Octopus. Mm-hmm. In Spider-Man yes. 2, the Tobey Maguire one, they're both going to be in this film. So I think we're going to just start to see some um, things coming to light. But it makes things, from a Sony point of view, canon with the MCU, which is yeah. clever. But I think as far as a multiverse goes, is anyone really going to care? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's a way, I guess, which... Now they've done it, and now we've talked about it for a while now, Dan. I haven't really thought about it in this way. It means that actually Sony can do their thing, and Marvel can go, yeah, cool, we'll reference the bits we want to, and actually we'll let you do you'll let you do you when we're not interested. Mm. So, you know, for instance, I haven't heard about this, but Mo, uh, Mobius, um, the living vampire, which oh, is yeah. due out. Um, that that may not come off, even though they, you know, there are cameos from Spider-Man. Um, uh, is it not far from home, the first one? Oh, uh, um, homecoming. homecoming. And the end of that, you know, you've got the Shocker and you've got what would be the Lizard and you, um, no, Scorpion, sorry. And you've got the, um, and the, the Vulture. They, they passed Mobius in the trailer. Mm. Um, and, and so they've obviously chosen and have accepted that they can merge it but you know if that franchise doesn't come off well the MCU can go oh that's just a variation of, of a timeline we'll forget about that that's not that's canon from that perspective but actually we don't have to accept it because it's a multiversal kind of offshoot yeah. and if they've done it like that that's genius because actually they can pick and choose to say the bits that they like without having to fully commit to what Sony's doing. And Sony can go, you know what? Well, fuck you, because we've still got the rights and we'll do whatever we want and mm. you don't really have a say. So I think that's quite clever and still gives them the creativity and the choices between them. Uh, it just get very messy if Marvel decides to take not an awful lot of that because otherwise you've got lots of offshoots that really don't go anywhere and they don't really link together. And that's the risk, I guess, Dan. Um, yeah. but that's one way they could they could work the relationship, which would be genius, as I say. It wouldn't put it past me. That was Kevin Feige all along. Yeah, uh, this episode actually ends with um, Loki preparing to tell Sylvie something, and then you know, Renslayer recovers. She prunes Loki from behind. She literally stabs him in the back. Which is ironic. Which is ironic. That, that's what apparently he does. And I I never saw that coming actually, Dan. Um, I didn't. Um, I was I was visibly and audibly shocked when it happened because as, as we think, that's that's the end. I yeah. thought, oh well, we've just seen this character being developed. So obviously, there's going to be another Loki, but I don't want another Loki, Dan. I want the one we just watched for the last three or four episodes. Mm. I thought were they sort of setting things up for Sylvie, but um, well, anyway, Sylvie sort of holds Wednesday hostage, demanding the truth from her about the TVA. But we get our. Probably our first and only mid-credits scene, am I right yeah. in thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we see Loki awakening in a post-apocalyptic 
what we think is a post-apocalyptic New York City, but actually it's the void, which we sort of learn mm. later on. And he meets other Loki variants um, who invite him to join them. Um, now, it's also worth mentioning that we see classic Loki, which is a homage to Jack Kirby's original design for the character. We've got kid Loki, alligator Loki, and in my notes, I just put in brackets, <laughs> lol. Um, and Loki that looks like he wields a hammer like Thor. Yes. Um, now, it's important to point out that kid Loki shows up in the Young Avengers comic books, mm. which means we've just added yet another key member to that story in the MCU. So in terms of the Young Avengers in this phase, we've already met Billy and Tommy in WandaVision. We have. We've met Ellie Bradley in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. We've met Cassie Lang in Ant-Man. And meanwhile, we'll have Kate Bishop appearing in Hawkeye later this year. Yes, uh, October, I think. Yep. September, October. And then we're going to have America Chavez, who will be appearing in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So it's going to happen. We're, we'll probably eventually see a Young Avengers film come out at some point. Mm. But I think for me, though, and this goes back to my point on casting, Dan, Richard E. Grant. Oh, phenomenal. Perfect. Perfect so casting. Because he looks like the comics. And because yeah. obviously he he is usually kind of that odd, slightly evil, definitely a deviant, mischievous kind of British character in anything that he does. He's just absolutely brilliant for this version of Loki. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he's leering, well, they're all leering over our Loki that's, you know, just waking up from whatever the hell's just happened to him. For me, that that was a, a, a smile to myself moment because it's brilliant. It's almost like they've lifted straight out of the comic books and it's it's one of those rare occasions that they've probably lifted one for one. Yeah. And because they don't do it that often, when it does happen, you're like, oh my God, that looks amazing. And it was. I tell you, us, us Brits do make good villains, don't we, in films? Oh, 100%. Absolutely 100%. On to episode five, Journey into Mystery. Now, this is a nod to the Journey into Mystery comics. Now, this was a comic book series in which Thor and Loki first appeared in 19... In my notes, I've got 1952. I thought that it would have been after that, but Mm. I guess not. But anyway, uh, so we're on to Renslayer, who's telling Sylvie um, that Loki was teleported to the Void. Which is, which is a dimension at the end of time where everything the TVA prunes is dumped. It's literally just chucked into this dumping ground and nothing can return. So we think. So we think. They also deduce that the TVA's creator is hiding in the timeline beyond the void. And of course, TVA mascot Miss Minutes stalls for time until the TVA troops surround Sylvie who decides, do you know what? I'm going to prune myself. She puts this pruning rod to her chest. Bam, she's gone. <clears throat> gone. After interrogating B-15, Renslayer attempts to reach the TVA's creator. Meanwhile, the other Loki variants tell Loki that a massive cloud-like creature called Alioth hunts and kills any life in the void. So if you are still listening... For some reason, you haven't seen Loki. Alioth's just like this massive, evil-looking cloud, and he's just eating anything in plain sight. Probably better than the Fantastic Four's version of um, 
Do you remember Galactus. that? Yeah, Galactus, which was just a cloud, which was odd. It's just such an odd thing to do. Um, but she just had a, a massive purple guy with a massive helmet. But anyway, um, it's a better version of that, I think. Mm. Uh, and of course, we find Mobius in his little car. Um, we we save Sylvie from Elioth. Uh, we have a boastful Loki um, who betrays the other Lokis for a second Loki group, which itself dissolves into a chaotic fight. Um, yeah, fighting of, of Loki, isn't it? Everything's a Loki, which is quite an interesting yeah. concept. Uh, and you know what? When I, I remember when I saw the, um, the the president Loki in the trailer, I thought, mm. "Oh, that's really good! Like, how's this going to work?" The sort of more you get into it, it makes sense that he's another variant. It wouldn't have worked in any other way, I don't think. No, but you know, here we are. We've got. He actually has his arm or his hand bitten off by alligator <laughs> Loki. He does because he's quite. My right. I might be suffering from the Mandela effect, and people might back me up here. Was there blood spraying everywhere? Did I? Imagine? No, no. Um, there's no blood. It's just a clean cut off. But uh, he, he looks down at his hand and goes, "Ah!" Of course, you know he's he's got nothing there. And it, I wouldn't say, he's, I guess, in its cold light of day, it's graphic, but it's not graphic by today's standards. I guess. Um, there's no hand there. It's cut off at, at the arm, and the alligators just had some dinner. Maybe I'll confuse something else. You know, we've seen so many hands and arms chopped off in the MCU. That's a point, actually, Dan. Mm. Again, that's uh, Lucasfilm and Disney showing its hands, so to speak, pun intended, again, because that's another hand being severed. Because they've got yeah. they've got problems with hands, haven't they, in Disney and Marvel and, and Lucasfilm. Everyone's getting their limbs chopped off. They did think of like it like that. Yeah, there you go. Strikes again. I think that was in my Easter eggs, but hey, we've covered that now. It's all oh, good. My bad. It's fine. It's fine. You've got me covered. Uh, I suppose it makes Easter eggs a little less to go through. We can go through all the comic book numbers and all that glorious stuff. It's fine. Uh, so anyway, classic Loki helps alligator Loki, kid Loki, and Loki escape, and eventually meet Mobius and Sylvia in, in the void. Uh, after Mobius returns to the TVA using the Tempad, Sylvie previously stole she attempts to enchant alioth but fails until classic loki distracts it with an illusion of asgard mm. sacrificing himself in the process and it's such a glorious moment it is a great scene <clears throat> and this is the this is the bit that i was talking about before dan which is he i think he says which d grant says to our other loki's you don't realize how powerful you are and I wonder whether, to your point, whether they're going to raise the power level now of this character, mm. because they can they can now create a whole city that's reminiscent of of Asgard just out of nowhere, and that's that's quite powerful stuff to do. Indeed, um, and you know what? it was very Wonder Vision esque the way he sort yeah, of creates that city, which was really cool. Mm. Um, so how we're not going to get any more Rich D Grant. Unless they sort of maybe put him into what I'm assuming is going to eventually become Secret Wars. Yeah, or, I mean, there's other variations. I mean, the, the timeline branches. There'll be other mm. Rich D grants out there. <clears throat> I, I'd love him to, to come back because he's yeah. phenomenal. So good. Uh, of course, together, Loki and Sylvie successfully enchant Alioth and they find a citadel beyond the void and they walk towards it, which is where we leave our gods in mischief. But now I, I could have sworn Dan that that was the city 
in the quantum realm that we see in Ant-Man and the Wasp? Oh, it could well be, actually. Well, it's not It's not as they explain it, because they say it's at the end of time and they the beginning of the, the, the final episode, they do say or they show going through space and the galaxies, but that shimmer, it just looked like it. But then mm. again, we didn't really see too much of the quantum realm because Ant-Man and the Wasp um, were going through it so quickly. That perhaps it is, I don't know, but if if it isn't, what still what is that that city where they're shooting out from in that film? Mm. Mm. Well, we know the Good quantum questions. realm can be used to time travel, as say from Endgame. Indeed. So, um, yeah, I'm sure more will be answered in uh, Quantumania. Indeed. Which I'm sure our next big bad is going to pop up, but I said we don't really know. Uh, on to episode six, which was the season finale release this week for all mm. time, always. always. Uh, in the Cell, at the end of time, Loki and Sylvie meet Miss Minutes, who just appears out of nowhere. And I thought, okay, this is odd. What are you doing mm. here, love? Anyway, um, so they reject an offer from her creator, who he who remains, to return them to the timeline with everything they desire. So, of course, Miss Minutes tries to entice Loki by mentioning a few of his failed plans that he could be successful at with the help of He Who Remains. Um, not only does she mention the Battle of New York from the Avengers, but she also brings up Loki becoming the King of Asgard, which he actually tried mm. to accomplish way back in 2010's Thor. Indeed. Uh, meanwhile, Renslayer leaves on a mission to find free will, whatever that means, after receiving information from He Who Remains. Um, B-15 proves to the Minutemen. Minutemen? Is that what they're called? Minutemen, yep. Uh, that they are, yep, they are variants by showing a Renslayer variant who was a school vice principal because there was always there this go. interest. Um, Mobius would always pick up this pen. And... There was, yes, a little artifact, wasn't it, from um, from period of time? Yeah, I think it was a school <laughs> in Ohio, if mm. I recall. And the, the penny's dropped down. She's a school teacher. Yeah. I must have some real deep-rooted issues with uh, ed- you know, authoritative education practitioners. Anyway, the plot thickens. Yes, indeed. Um, he who remains tells Loki and Sylvie that he ended a multiversal war caused by mm. his variants, isolated his timeline and created the TVA. Um, as he has grown weary, so you know it's obviously tiring trying to control this sacred timeline and keeping it in one single flow. He offers them a choice. Kill him and end the singular timeline, risking another multiversal war. Or become his chosen successors in overseeing the TVA and the singular timeline. Uh, But this is where I thought, oh, okay, this is a bit of a curveball. It's Sylvie that decides to kill him whilst Loki is pleading her to stop. Um, They finally have that kiss. But, you know, Sylvie, being the god of mischief from another timeline, sends Loki back to the TVA headquarters and she plunges her sword into He Who Remains and we start to see the unleashing of a multiverse. Indeed, it all goes a bit wrong. And, you know, we're not just seeing branches coming off of the... um, 
the single timeline. We're seeing branches coming off of branches, which is freaking scary. She's only gone and done it, Dan. She's done it. <clears throat> um, I've put something in my notes here as well, actually. It says, we've officially entered the multiverse in the MCU. And mm. this is going to directly impact Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange's multiverse madness, which I mentioned earlier. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, Dan, because um, the the actor Jonathan Majors, I believe, plays this this character. Um, he he does say, I mean, he's he's uncredited actually. If you look up the cast of Loki, mm. they still don't give him a name, but we we think he is, um, uh, what's his face, Kang the, the Conqueror? Comics. Yeah, Kang the Conqueror, because he he mentions that he's conquered. The timeline but still they haven't used him by title uh and uh, but yeah at the end of season one we still haven't mentioned the second there's very much he looks looks the part in his suit and etc but he does mention that he says if you kill me i'm only going to come back and i'm actually going to be controlling everything you don't you do not want this to happen well she ignored that she killed him and we'll see what happens in a second. But, you know, so far, everything you said, pretty much, has been the truth, Dan. He's brown bread. Mm. Um, but we see Loki retains the TVA, where Mobius and Hunter B-15 don't actually know who he is. No. Uh, so I'm. are we assuming that Loki is now on a different timeline, or this timeline's been altered by something in the past? Because an interesting thing, actually, that I noticed is that in episode one, when he's walking through the, the TVA, you had the, the three statues. Mm-hmm. It's now a singular statue of Kang. It is. But that's where we leave our God of Mischief. And surprisingly, we didn't get another cutscene. I always sort of expect Marvel yeah. to sort of set us up for maybe the next <clears throat> film or film in the near future, but we didn't get that. We just got um, we got the bit the sheet of paper... Loki yeah. Lalverson and its stamps coming back for season two. Which I, I think was, if I'm betting man, Dan, um, and my latest flurry on the Euros, which I pretty much won nothing because I kept on betting. That's exactly how it works for the, the betting companies. <laughs> um, they uh, they probably didn't realise how well it would be received, I'm assuming. And then when they, they, they saw that it was pretty popular, I think they probably slapped that in at the end because it was, it was a bit rubbish, wasn't it? You usually get some kind of cutscene that we had in the Falcon where you've got um, you know, characters talking about what they're going to be doing post-storyline mm. and even one division with you know the, the twins shouting from, from wherever they are. But in this, we've got nothing. I think they rushed it. They probably thought, this is this could be decent. Let's sign it off. Um, but it's just a bit of a shame. It was a bit, a bit of a nothing, really. Uh, I mean, do, could we put that down to some of it being, you know, I think some of these were probably done as reshoots in the pandemic mm-hmm. time, yeah, probably, maybe, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't sort of overly blown away by Loki. I mean, it's obviously got some good bits and we're obviously starting to set up the the big bad. So I don't think it's as good as Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, interesting. And one division. We haven't talked about this, Dan, have we? We've we have not exchanged notes on overall our, our thoughts 
For me, if I was going to rate it, it'd be a solid 6.5 or 7 out of 10. Okay. It's okay. It's quite good in places, but it's not... It isn't one division and how creative and how original that was. And it it doesn't have the feels of the, feel, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You know, we've talked about it before in the previous episodes. I had tears streaming down my face when, he, you know, he's... Um, Anthony Mackie, who's mm. now Captain America, is doing his speech at the end. You know, his rousing speech about humanity and bringing people together. Um, I think I was probably having an emotional day that day. But anyway, it's, it's a powerful bit of writing. But it isn't that. Um, and I do think they probably missed out on a couple of kind of interesting cameos. You know, you could say, well, they've already done that time traveling bit in Endgame. They did that to death, and I, I wouldn't just disagree, but. I think it's kind of a bit too easy to miss, you know, especially at the beginning down where they've got, um, as you say, different aliens or, or, or people in the waiting mm. room. They could have done more, even just little subtle, more over Easter eggs or all gone too far on this timeline. And you know, they close the door on perhaps the dark world or perhaps, I don't know, Paul Rudd is making some kind of quip or you've got, um, you know, Star Lord saying, Who the hell are you? And as they're walking through doors, and I don't know, it just seemed a bit like they'd missed a really good opportunity. Now, whether or not mm. it's been you know, because they thought they'd done it before or they wanted it to stand on their own feet, they didn't want to rely upon other cameos, which would be fair, fair arguments, or whether it was too costly, and it would be because these, these people probably would charge millions of pounds for their, their you know, 10 seconds of footage. But I don't know. It, I think for me, it kind of it lost some credibility. If if the, the 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 sacred timeline features a lot of Avengers, but you don't see any of them, mm. it's not really that sacred, is it, Dan? No. You know I, mean? Um, I mean, I'd give it a solid seven, seven out of ten. Yeah. But I like to sort of feel uneasy going for a series. I like the I want the build up to something. And I yeah. didn't really get that sort of till <clears throat> towards the end. And it was sort of reminiscent for me, like at the end when Loki sort of says he's coming, you know, it was very like Bruce Banner in Infinity War. And I thought, oh, okay, that's, I want, I need more now. I need, I mean, obviously this is, this is all sort of coming and this is just setting the bigger picture. And I think that's it, Dan. It's just scene setting. And he's done a good job. But did you really have to squeeze it out in six episodes? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure, but still, Tom Hiddleston, brilliant, fantastic Phenomenal. casting, faultless. Um, you know, uh, we've got Sophia Di Martino, fellow Brits. Yeah, very good. Didn't like her at the beginning. I thought she came to her own. She was fantastic. Owen Wilson. Oh, is it you? If it, is it you that are not a fan? Is not a fan of Owen Wilson? Um, I'm not a massive fan of Owen no. Wilson, but he really does a great job in this. And I think that um, the chemistry between him and Tom Hiddleston, yeah. their two characters, is just on point. And again, I sort of go back to One Division. You know, we had um, Jimmy Woo and um, oh Christ, what's her name? Darcy. That's it. A friendship we didn't ask for, but we got it. Yeah, loved it. Uh, we got Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes again. A friendship we didn't quite ask for back in Civil War, but we got it. And then we got the the TV series. We see that dynamic and the more. romance. Yeah, 
this is another one that I want to see. And I think we probably will get more in season two of Loki. And I think I want a little bit more from Loki to season two. Uh, I don't know what the future holds for our God of Mischief, but I think he could end up maybe being the agent of Asgard. Possibly, I yeah. don't know, or an agent of sorts. Yeah, or, you know, definitely an anti-hero of some description, you know. Um, brilliant. Can't, can't fault the, the character development, can't fault the, the cast. It's just, I just do, I think it felt as though it was a means to an end to kickstart the other films. And I bet you asked them, they won't, we won't see our Loki in any of those films. Now, I might be taking the soundbite out in the future and eating my hat, <laughs> my, my, my two-horned hat, and that'd be fair enough. But I, again, if I'm a betting man, they won't make any reference to this in any of the films in this slate, which I think might be, again, doing a disservice to the character, but we shall see. We shall see mm. those days. Uh, but I've got some Easter eggs for us, Alex. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'll kick off with... So I'll go for episode by episode. So episode one, uh, lots of comic book nods, comic book stuff. Um, Owen Wilson's Loki character, Mobius, uh, in the comics, Mobius is an, an original member of the TVA and has interacted with characters like the Fantastic Four, She-Hulk and Hawkeye. Uh, if you look closely at Loki's TVA file, you can see that his sex is listed as fluid. Uh, in the comics, Odin refers to Loki as both his son and daughter. Mm. Yes, he does, yeah. Uh, also in Loki's file, it says his sector is 1900 to 2099. So possibly a little nod there to Marvel's 2099 series, uh, which featured notable characters such as Spider-Man. Um, did you ever collect any of the 2099 stuff? Did you uh, ever get into that, Alex? Um... No, I dabbled, dipped my toe in, but it wasn't something that I really, I really enjoyed. Um, heavily, the, the roots were 80s, I think, so quite kind of neon, mm. bright, garish. And I was, I was used to kind of the subtle blues and, and the reds and the yellows and the, the, the quite in comparison dull panels of, I guess, the early 90s. Spider-Man's, which I loved, yeah. the Amazing Spider-Man's. So I, I couldn't get on board with it, personally. No, I was the same. Um, got a couple of X-Men 2099 comics in the attic somewhere. Mm. It just wasn't great. Um, I mean, Spider-Man 2099 sort of flickers in between storylines. Um, uh, Spider-Verse, Spider-Geddon, and you sort of in a recent arc. But yeah. I'm not a massive fan myself. Mm. Uh, anyway, we digress. Uh, back to the comic book stuff. Gugu, um, um, oh Jesus Christ, I've done it, Alex. Gugu and Bath are waiting. We're waiting, but it's now here. <laughs> it's, it's here. This is where the clacks and start go off. Dan's got it wrong. He's shit. Um, anyway, when her character is introduced as Judge Renslayer, um, in the comics, she actually falls in love with Kang the Conqueror. It was uh, linked to the timekeepers, so maybe one to keep an eye on in the in the cinematic mm. universe. Uh, we love numbers, so when Loki looks at the TVA, you can spot T two eight two on a building. 
Uh, now, this could be a nod to Thor issue 282, which features the first appearance of the Timekeepers. I mean, they like shoehorning this stuff in, don't they? They do. Uh, Mobius uses Hollow Projector 35 to show Loki his greatest hits. The number could reference the Marvel comic Journey into Mystery issue 35, which follows a man who is transported through time. Um, this comic series eventually laid the groundwork for the Mighty Thor comics. Huh. Uh, the device Mobius and the other TVA members use to move Loki slightly back in time is called a time twister. Now in the comics, this is a little bit more sinister. The time twisters were creatures who were created by the TVA in order to go forward in time, but instead they kept moving backwards. Oh. Uh, of course, one of the biggest things in this episode is that Casey has a spare Infinity Stone, all those spare Infinity Stones lying in the desk. Um, if you look closely, though, he has them all but the yellow Mind Stone, which is the stone in Vision's head. Indeed. Sounds a bit odd, that one. Uh, I'm not sure what the relevance is, but that's what I've sort of managed to pick out in the, in the realms of the internet. Hmm. Um, some little nods here as well. After Loki watches his future, you can see that the film is labelled with ETH 616, which we can only assume is a reference to Earth 616, which is the main Earth in the Marvel Comics universe. Indeed. Uh, now, the weapon that the Minutemen find is from the early third millennia. Uh, this is very important, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, in the Marvel comics, Kang the Conqueror is from that era. Um, so, I mean, this is no coincidence. I think, you know, he's probably going to be the next big bad. We've already mentioned it. Mm. Uh, episode two. Uh, first, the episode starts with the evil Loki variant attacking a Renaissance fair in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. In the comics, Oshkosh is the home of Wendell Vaughn, a.k.a. Kazar whose series was notably written by Mark Grunewald. Uh, first, the episode starts with the... Oh. I seem to have doubled up on my notes. Clever. Well done, Daniel. Mm. Uh, Mobius shows Loki various Loki variants. Uh, we've got what looks like a full-blood frost giant Loki, <laughs> a cyclist Loki, a strong <laughs> Hulk-looking Loki, yeah, trickster Loki and a Viking Loki. Uh, the design of the last three variants are taken directly from the comics. Uh, when Mobius lists off Loki's powers, they are all powers he has in the Marvel comics, especially shape shifting and illusion casting. A uh, little bit of continuity here Loki says in Asgard that they have a saying about wolves. We have a saying in Asgard, there are wolves, is. Wolf's teeth are near. And if you forgot about Asgardian wolves, well, we saw Fenra, or whatever his name was. Indeed. In Ragnarok. I think I mentioned his name earlier. I don't think it's Fenra, is it? Something else. Fenra's Harry Potter? Um, Fenra Greyback? I don't know. Yes. I'm confusing yeah, all my right. pop culture now. It's happening. A uh, bit of a WandaVision nod, possibly, but if you look closely, uh, Mobius' coaster is the shape of a hexagon, which was a nod to the shape of uh -huh. Westview's town limits. Mm. Uh, more comic book stuff. 
Uh, one of Ravona's souvenirs from her other analyst is a Franklin D. Roosevelt High School pen. So we, uh, as we saw, that sort of ties into her variant from 2018. Uh, you can spot 372 behind Loki when he's inside the TBA. The number 372 is likely a nod to the Mighty Thor issue 372, which featured an appearance by the TBA. Mm. Uh, we got a little bit of a pop culture nod here, Alex. I like this. When Loki is getting files from the library, you can hear orchestral suite number three in D major by Back. Uh, this is a nod to the movie Seven, where the same piece plays where Mills and Somerset are in the library investigating a killer. Yep. Uh, now, Loki director Kate Heron confirmed this detail earlier this year, saying there's a little reference in, to Seven in episode two, a little needle drop, which I'm sure fans of that film will recognise instantly. Mm. Um, I hated Seven. I had to... Did you? Yeah. Uh, <clears> I'll <throat> tell, I tell you why. I had to watch it in media studies when I was at college in my first mm. year. And obviously I had to watch it over and over, break it down. It just gets a bit boring, doesn't it? Yeah, it's um once you've seen it once, there's little reason to go back there again because you kind of know it's like sore. It's not the same, mm. but it's like the concept of sore. You'll probably never see really that many sore films again because it's all kind of misdirection. And you kind of know at the end what it is and what's in the box. I'm not going to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, I can imagine seeing it time and time again really does great. Yeah. Um, lots of continuity nods in this episode as well. Um, when Loki's looking at the file about Ragnarok, you can see the event's codename is Revengers, uh, which is what Thor, Valkyrie, Loki and Hulk's team name were in Thor Ragnarok. Indeed. <clears throat> Mobius mentions how Loki has literally stabbed people in the back several times, which is exactly what Loki did to Coulson in the Avengers. And Mobius hands Loki two daggers, which Hunter B-15 promptly confiscates, which is quite funny. Uh, throughout the MCU movies, Loki's two blades have always been his weapon of choice. Hmm. Uh, Maybe a coincidence, but when Loki and evil Loki or Sylvie variant are fighting, Loki ends up in the same position as after his fall in Thor Ragnarok. And I think we see that um, that pose or that position several times throughout this series. Oh, right. Yeah, I've been falling for thirty minutes. I have been falling for thirty minutes. Uh, and finally. Uh, you can see that the helmet on Ravona shelf says A23, which is a reference to Avengers issue 23, which is the first time Ravona appeared in the comics. Lovely. Uh, episode three. Uh, first, the song that kicks off Loki episode three is Demons by Hayley Kiyoko. When the show cuts to Hunter C20, the demons lyrics talk about having demons in your head, which is exactly what is going on. Hunter C20 has Sylvie in her mind. Mm. Uh, lots of comic book nods, of course. Sylvie wears a, ho a horn headpiece like Loki, except hers is missing one of the horns. Uh, in the Loki Agent of Asgard comic series, Loki and Lady Loki wear a similar headpiece with a missing horn. 
Uh, Loki transports himself and Sylvie to Lamentis One, which is mentioned in the comics. Uh, Lamentis is located on the edge of Cree space in Annihilation Conquest Prologue issue one. Uh, in this comic, Lamentis is where a lot of Khazar and Moondragon story happen. Uh, Fila Vell takes up the Khazar mantle. Fila is the daughter of Marvel, which is the male Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And Moondragon is Drax's daughter. So I think we might see these characters starting to sort of slide in soon into the MCU. A uh, little continuity nod. Uh, the first magic Loki uses after leaving the TVA is his good old teleporting behind the back of your enemy trick, which he notably used in the Avengers when he stabbed Coulson. Um... While on Lamentis 1, Loki uses his shape-shifting abilities, which we notably saw him showcase in Thor The Dark World when he turned into Steve Rogers. Um, Loki tells Sylvie that he got his tricks and he got his tricks from his mother and she's the one who taught him. Um, Again, this is mentioned in The Dark World uh, where Loki claims that he had Frigga's tricks, but Thor had her trust. Ah, yes. Uh, so I just want to talk about um, character development in this episode because I say you didn't, you felt like it lacked a little bit. Mm. Um, it's Loki's sexuality. So Sylvie asks Loki if he's ever been in a relationship with would-be princesses or perhaps another prince. Mm. Um, now this is the first time Loki's bisexuality has been addressed in the MCU. Um, Loki director Kate Heron talked about the moment on Twitter saying it was very important to me and my goal to acknowledge Loki was bisexual. It is a part of who he is and who I am too. I know this is a small step, but I'm happy and heart is so full to say that this is now canon in the MCU. Uh, And of course, in several comics, Loki's sexuality is bi. Um, Writer Al Ewing, who wrote Loki Agent of Asgard said, yes, Loki is bi. He'll shift between genders occasionally as well. So, I mean, I know it's not a big bit of character development, but this has now been made canon, which I thought was quite cool. Yeah, I think it's it's doing the character definitely a service for sure. You, you know, you can say that characters have been whitewashed or they've been dumbed down for you know, contemporary audiences. So it's it's quite nice that they haven't shied away from that. And to be fair, it isn't, and it shouldn't be any kind of subject which which people should be shying away from. If that's what it is, that's what it is. So it it, it is good that that's that's recognised definitely um, mm. in in modern film. And and why not why not do it in one of the most popular franchises of the last decade? We actually got a nod to aliens in this. For- the final scenes as well of this episode. Uh, we see uh, the guards taking tickets before boarding the Ark. They are named PVT Hudson and Corporal Hicks, which uh, nods to Hudson and Hicks from Aliens. Mm. Um, episode four, there's not too many in this episode. Um, when Ravona is apprehending Kid Sylvie, her hunter number is A23, which is again a nod to issue 23 of the Avengers. Uh, when Mobius and Hunter B-15 are looking for a Nexus event, you can see Morag at the top of the monitor. Now, Morag is where Peter Quill found the orb, 
which contains the Power Stone in Guardians of the Galaxy. At the very beginning. Indeed. I like these little nods and sort of throwbacks. It's quite cool. Yeah. Uh, comic book numbers. Sylvie is taken by the TVA to Time Theatre 47. Now, this could be a nod to issue 47 of What If, which actually follows what would have happened to if Loki had Thor's hammer, not Thor. Um, talking of What If, Alex, have you seen the trailer? I have. actually looks pretty good. I wasn't too sure whether I'd like the idea of the concept of an animation series, but it looks good and actually... It's probably the easiest way to get across what they're trying to achieve, and I'm all for it, Dan. I think mm. it looks brilliant, and I think it's it's another way to breathe new life into old storylines and characters. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and it, uh, if anyone is unfamiliar with what the, this series of What If, uh, yes, it is animated, but we're going to have the cast from the MCU doing the voices, and of course, we've got the late Chadwick Boseman, um, who's going to be doing the voice of. Uh, Black Panther T'Challa T'Challa if he was uh, which is really cool uh, if he was in place of Star-Lord I'm quite looking forward to that episode and the um, the what ifs I mean the only what if I've read is Civil War one Um, that's quite good so that's what if um, Tony didn't win but Cap did Mm. Um, and other other storylines and it's you know what 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 if Spider-Man didn't change allegiances and and didn't turn the tide of uh, of of the civil war as we knew it in the comics, the Mark Miller one, which is phenomenal. Um, so I, I like that they are kind of investigating, you know, alternative storylines, and perhaps the what if is a direct result of this TV series, the Multiverse. Mm. Yeah, I think it's going to be ten episodes on Disney Plus. Yeah. So it should be good. Um, whether we review it or not, I don't know. Um, we'll see. If mm. people want it, just drop us a bell. Let the people uh, let the people decide. We'll, we'll give you the contact details at the end. Uh, next, Mobius mentions the other types of variants the TVA has encountered. Um, now, we've seen Kree and Captain Marvel and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Titans refers to Thanos's race. But this is actually the first time we... Uh, get mention of vampires which is obviously of course linked to the upcoming Blade movie mm. and finally the song that plays after the post credit scene is I'll Take That Drink Now by Alan Silvestri which was also played in the Avengers when they apprehend Loki That's oh yes, nod there. yes. Uh, episode 5's got some good stuff um, I've, I've got a lot of easter eggs and stuff but I'll try and fly through these because this episode is going to be mega long otherwise. Uh, comic book stuff. If you quickly pause, you can see that the Avengers Tower inside the void is actually mm. has a sign that says Quang. That's Q-E-N-G. I think I've got that right. Uh, in the comics, Tony sells the old Avengers Tower to Quang Enterprises and Mr. Grython, who was working for Kang the Conqueror. Indeed. Uh, and also, whilst in the void... The, the Loki's avoid Alioth, who was a villain pulled directly from the comics. Uh, in the comics, Alioth is Kang the Conqueror's rival, believe it or not, mm. who was accidentally set free by Ravona Renslayer. Uh, whilst in the void, there are some really cool things that you can spot. Um, these are the ones that I found and some of our um, eagle-eyed viewers on the internet as well. 
Uh, you can spot a giant version of Yellow Jacket's helmet from Ant-Man. Uh, in the MCU, the last time we saw Yellow Jacket was when he was shrunk down and he disappeared. Oh, he did. So I do wonder if they'll bring him back somehow. Oh, what, you think he may have, what, been taken to the quantum realm yeah. and perhaps end up here soon time? That would be cool. <clears throat> I wouldn't that mind would... seeing him back, actually. Mm. Um, I've heard rumours he might be in Quantumania. But I say these mm. are just rumours <clears throat> at the moment. Uh, you can see the Thanos copter. Now in the comics, Thanos uses his helicopter to attack Hellcat and try to steal the Cosmic Cube, a.k.a. the Tesseract. Uh, we also get our first glimpse at a Thor variant in this episode, and it's actually Throg. Uh, yes, that would be a frog version of Thor, also voiced by one Chris Hemsworth. Um, Throg is trapped in a glass jar with T365 written on it, which is a nod to Thor issue 365 from 1966. And it featured Loki transforming Thor into a frog. Uh, and this moment resembles when Thor was trapped in the glass cage by Loki in the Avengers. In fact, the yelling even sounds similar if you listen closely. Mm hmm. Uh, among the debris while travelling down to the Loki's hideout, you will obviously spot a version of Mjolnir uh, and also a bunch of yes. lunch trays from the TVA <clears throat> surrounding it. Uh, before Loki and Sylvie, Mobius and the other Lokis go to fight Alioth, you can see what looks like Ronan's ship from Guardians of the Galaxy. And last but not least, if you didn't see this one, you can also see a shield helicarrier. I want to know where they're putting all this stuff. What, where are they finding this stuff to prune? Who knows, Dan? But um, surely it wasn't just Lokis that survived Alioth. Perhaps versions of whoever were on these objects survived as well. Mm. That'd be interesting. Uh, behind classic Loki, um, you can see a Polybius arcade game. In the 1980s, the Polybius arcade game mysteriously disappeared after it was reported that players were suffering from wild side effects like nightmares and hallucinations. I've heard about this. Bit of a Mandela effect thing going on here, I think. Mm. Maybe one to visit in the future for a volume two. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, you'll notice that the Loki's hideout is inside an old bowling alley. So I'd like to think that the entire bowling alley was pulled into the void by the TVA because it housed the Polybius arcade game. Mm. Uh, when classic Loki tells the story of how he survived after Thanos, he calls in the Mad Titan. Um, now this is a bit of a comic book reference. This is what they call Thanos. Um, but this is only the second time in the MCU he's been referred to as mm. the Mad Titan. Because um, I believe Gamora refers to him as it in the first Guardians film. Yeah. You can see Kid Loki drinking a high C Exo cooler which was released after the success of Ghostbusters in 1984 and the animated series. Um, not something that was released here in the UK, Alex, it was something in the US. Um, the High C Exo Cooler is the third discontinued but beloved drink we've seen on Loki so far. Uh, Mobius dr often drinks Joster in case he drank Boku in episode two. A uh, bit of real life stuff. Um, in the void, we see the USS Eldridge suddenly drop inside. Yes. And it's swallowed by Alioth. Yes. Mm. Uh, the USS Eldridge was part of 
the Philadelphia experiment in which uh. the ship was reportedly rendered invisible in 1983. Well, there you go, guys. It's in the void. We've and gone it's full circle from we come from conspiracy theories all the way through to Loki. It's finally yeah. happened. It's, there it is. Um, some comic book nods again. Um, the license plate on Mobius's pizza car reads G-R-N-W-1-D. This is a reference to Mark Gruenwald, who inspired Mobius's likeness in the comics, and he also helped co-create Alioth. Uh, and when Alioth is approaching Sylvie and Loki, you can spot a statue of the Living Tribunal's head. Now, in the comics, the Living Tribunal purpose is to protect and keep the balance in the multiverse uh-huh. uh, more mythology because we seem to like that at the moment uh, while causing a distraction Loki sets fire to the sword kid Loki gave him which is probably a nod to Lavatine from Norse mythology I think again I might have got that wrong uh, if there's any um, Norse mythologists out there please correct me Give me the pronunciation on our social media. Uh, now, this is a sword that was created by Loki that sometimes has a burning blade. Uh, now, there is a theory, Alex. You know, we were talking about um, Chronopolis, the, the oh yes, the, the city that you can see in the, mm. in the future, not um, in the distance. Uh, we get a glimpse of the mysterious city after Sylvie and Loki enchant Alioth. Um, now, this is probably is Chronopolis, which is the home of Kang the Conqueror, which well, we've seen episode six, which we've talked about. Uh, now, in the comics, Kang does have a citadel similar to this one. So, I guess, yeah, there it is. Uh, and not many, Alex, uh, for episode six. And then we got some stuff from the listener. Uh, Miss Minix creepily welcomes Loki and Sylvie to the place beyond the void and calls it the citadel at the end of time. Which is taken directly from the comics. It appeared in Thor issue two four five when Thor, Jane, and as and other Asgardians travel there. Now, in this issue, Jane also talks to He Who Remains. That's who Miss Minutes says lives in the Citadel, and reveals that the Time Twisters really do. In the comics, the Time Twisters were a trio of beings created by the TVA. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, time twisters were creatures that could go backwards but not forwards. Strange. Uh, in the comics, um, He Who Remains outfit is very similar to what various Kang variants wear. Uh, purple is his signature colour, and Immortus, a Kang variant from the comics, has a similar gold symbol on his chest. Uh, behind Hunter B-15, you can spot Ravona's real name on her diploma from Ohio State University. So Ravona's name is actually Rebecca Torminet, which is the name Ravona used in the comics whilst trying to distance herself from Kang the Conqueror. Mm. Uh, two more. He who remains tells Sylvie and Loki that he's being dubbed many names. And this is similar to Kang in the comics. Uh, most notably, he's Kane the Conqueror, but he does go by other names. And lastly, he who remains tells a story about how he, how his variants helped each other before they started a multiversal war. In the comics, the Council of Kangs is a group made up of Kangs who look to eliminate Kangs that diverge from the path. 
but that's it. That is all your Easter eggs. Um, nice and tasty. Try to get through them as quickly as I can because, well, it's getting it's getting late for us, Alex. But I mean, for the listener, they're probably loving life. But speaking of the listener, Dan, you've got um you've got a couple of comments, haven't you, from the old interwebs? We do. Um, so first up, we've got Dan, my namesake. Uh, he says, I really enjoyed Loki, start to finish, and is a very important chapter of the MCU setting up the multiverses. But mm-hmm. I do have one issue with the Loki character in the show. The show Loki is from the aftermath of the Battle of New York and way before he made amends with Thor and was killed by Thanos in Endgame. Correct. Why was Loki so nice and effectively the good guy of the show without going through the events of Avengers 1 to Endgame? Why would he go from the god of mischief to the guy trying to save the universe from Kang? Look forward to season two and the next bunch of films as hopefully they will answer some of these questions. But I mean, going back to the Loki question, I think we sort of answered that. Yeah. Sort of. I, I, I think so, um, Dan, and the other Dan. I, I think it's, he's already seen it. He's seen it even though he hasn't lived through it. And so he's kind of pushed the fast forward button on his, his character development. Personally, that's where I looked into anyway, because otherwise mm. I wouldn't see the reason for going and spending a whole, pretty much a whole episode of Mobius showing his his future. Apart from just saying this is what you've done, you might as well just cut to the chase and showing him being, you know, choked by uh um by the mad mad titan. So I think it's for me, I think that's that's probably been answered by that. Or at least I hope it has. That's the way I interpret it anyway. But it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a fair question. Uh, then we've got Zach. Uh, I liked it a lot. Really enjoyed how stylized it was. Good amount of humour. Looking forward to season two. Yeah. Uh, and then last up, we've got Gary. He says, unpopular opinion, but I found this to be the worst of the MCU shows they've put out. Yeah, interesting. I was at least entertained by the other two, whereas this I felt largely bored. I just felt that they kind of sucked all the fun out of the character. It's interesting because one of my other friends who, uh, I mean, I've been going to cinema with him for the last what, over 10 years to see these films. He says not, not, not the same, but he actually felt as though Tom Hiddleston got a bum deal out of this. Okay. Um, he easily really didn't like it. He, he felt sorry or... or, or I think that was his term. Was I feel sorry for um, for Tom Hiddleston because it didn't quite kind of do him justice, and and I can't understand why why you got that opinion. I don't share it, but it's it's perhaps not for everyone. We've got different styles of of the MCU show so far. We've got kind of the odd, quirky, tongue cheek, um, mysterious kind of one division. Then we've got then kind of the the deep rooted, gritty post snapping blip, whatever one would call it, of the Falcon Soldier to this, which is is neither. Mm. Um so I can I can kind of understand kind of where he's coming from. Um I'm trying to find his comments. Here we go. It's not what I hoped it would be. With the way they shaped one division to <clears throat> fuck up the timelines and realities leading to Doctor Strange 2. I guess I was hoping for more of the same. And it's fair, it's fair comment that one division mm. is is so disruptive to the MCU and, and does it justice in standing alone, but also then having wider ramifications. Um 
he says, I guess I was hoping for more of the same and cameos, lots of cameos as he was passed through different worlds and realities. And I, I mentioned that earlier and I do agree. I think it was, I think it was a misstep. Uh, for me, the best bit so far was early on when he was shown his future. That was savage. But the rest was just kind of being meh. And I think that's probably, whilst I don't kind of share wholly that review or that perspective, that's probably bits of that I do. And that's mm. probably why I think it's a solid 6.5 or 7, because it just, it doesn't edge it enough. It's good. And I actually think Tom Hiddleston did, did brilliantly. It was more of the stuff that we loved, you know, mm. the quips um, and the the, the the snap comebacks. But it it didn't move the dial enough for me, and I think they could have done a bit more. So that, that I do agree with. Yeah, um, I mean, if we, it'd be boring, wouldn't it, if we all thought the same and we all yeah. agreed. So, I mean, that's that's the joy of doing the podcast. It's it's great when we get different opinions from people. Like I say, I, I enjoyed it. it. I enjoyed it. Um, it got me through six weeks. Um, I mean, it wasn't excellent. You know, I, I at the moment, I'd say Falcon with Soldiers like right up there for me. You know, we yeah. loved we loved the Winter Soldier, Captain America film, and that's always really on par. One division, I'd probably place just above Loki. Only just because yeah. um, whilst it was good, it was quite long winded towards the end. It but, was, but hey, you know what? It's fine. This is all setting up for the future. Um, obviously, we'll sort of be, we'll, we'll have Hawkeye later this year, but we're getting back into the movie scene now. Um, we'll talk about more about in our episode about Black Widow. Because um, that'll be setting up some, some of the events for Hawkeye. Um, we've got Shang-Chi in September. Yeah, interesting one, that one. A bit left field. But I'm interested to see that one. Uh, and then, of course, we've got Spider-Man at the end of the year and the Eternals. So we do. I'm quite excited, Alex. I mean, this, there's still plenty out there to, to get our um, teeth into and review later on this year. Really this, is. this is our bread and butter. This is where it all started for us. That's right. We love it. We love it. Um, but yeah, we'll be back um, maybe next week. We'll do the Black Widow review. Yeah, we will. And then, of course, we'll be condemning things into our Room 101, which is it's just going to be a, a big metal box, and we're going to condemn it into the sea. So we want to know what grind your gears. Have you got any unpopular opinions? Is there a food that you don't like that everyone else loves? We want it all. We do. What what do you dislike? What irritates you? What common phrase saying? As Dan said, food group. Um, pandering, social commentary, whatever it is, mm. we want to hear it all. So um, what whatever it is that what you want to put into the sea, we'll talk about it and we'll help you to put it there. I'm going to drop a little spoiler in. So I probably yeah. didn't give a good example when you put me on the spot. I think it was the last episode. I do like to do that. And I said, oh, um, oh um, treading in catsick. Yeah, that belongs in the sea. It does. But people who drive Miss Daisy, Alex. Can and you again? probably th- people who drive Miss Daisy. So my example, right, hmm. really bugs me, right? You're in a 30 mile per hour zone. And you get stuck behind someone that's doing 20 miles per hour. That's driving Miss Daisy. Really ah. grinds my gears. Get in the fucking sea. Yeah. Put your foot down on the gas. Get moving. 
I'm an A to B kind of guy, Alex. I want to be there as quickly as I can. Obviously, ab- abiding by the speed limits to the road. Hmm. I just don't want to be stuck behind someone that's going slower than that. Don't dilly-dally. Don't dilly-dally. You've got things to do, people to see. Exactly. Bugs me. So that, that's that's your example. We want to hear it. Okay. And of course, if you want to get in contact with us, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at On The Topic Podcast. And if you follow those socials, I'll always put a link in and you can leave us a voice message. Make it angry, make requests, do whatever you want. We want to hear your voice. We'll put you we into do. the next episode. And Alex, we've got a blog. We do. We've got a website. It's uh, on the topic podcast, all one word, all lowercase, on the topic podcast dot wordpress dot com. And actually, if you don't have a particular affiliation with a podcast platform, you can actually stream all the episodes there. They're all there with the descriptions. Have a look, have a listen. We've also got our, our, our ugly mugs on our photos with a little bit of a blurb. <laughs> um, and our unofficial partner, thread partner, morbid and mundane. And uh, we've also got a link to the Etsy store there. So go have a look, go have a, a gander and uh, have a listen to our time-relevant, delicious audio through the website is there for your viewing pleasure mm, go give joey some love go get some morbid garms um oh, yes just decent clothing so good i need to Beautiful. buy myself some more but that is it for another week i'm exhausted from all these easter eggs i'm telling you yeah i'm pretty full up not because of your tacos but because of the <laughs> easter eggs. You, you 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 delivered many a plate and i've gorged myself silly wonderful uh, but for another week I've been Dan and I've been Alex and we'll see you next time next time